Better Buildings for Humans is powered by Advanced Glazings, makers of the Solera line of products. Solera is the leading glass glazing made specifically for architectural daylighting and with extreme insulation performance. Learn more at advancedglazings.com. Advanced Glazings has asked me to mention that they will be hosting the War on Dull Buildings Summit the spring of 2024. Stay tuned for more information. All right, welcome to this episode of Better Buildings for Humans, the show where we talk about the impact of building design, building maintenance, building operation on our health, our wellness, our productivity, and of course, on, on sustainable design. Today, I've got a real treat. I've got the CEO of Passive House Canada, Chris Ballard. Welcome, Chris. Oh, thanks, Joe, and great to be on your show. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. This is really exciting. It, it's been uh, it's it's taken me far too long to get someone from Passive House on the, on the show, and I'm glad I could finally make it happen. But let's start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background and how it led to your role at Passive House, and then of course talk a little bit about your role there. Okay, how far do you want me to go back? I guess uh, I start. You. <laughs> I, 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 my, my first career was as a journalist, so I'm naturally curious about how things work and how things get together, um, and I'm naturally just naturally curious in general. Um, so I was a journalist. I ran a public affairs company here in Canada for about 25 years. Um, and I opened my big mouth once, uh, complained to our local mayor about their economic development, and I was put on their committee. One thing led to another, and I was running for town council. I've been a municipal councillor, uh, and then one thing led to another, and I ran as member of parliament for this area uh, and was elected. Uh, and then one thing led to another. I became Minister of Housing for Ontario and then later on Minister of Environment and Climate Change. But throughout sort of my career, starting right back to when I was running a public affairs company, we did a lot of work in Canada's far north with Indigenous communities. And 30 years ago, we were seeing the effects of climate change in those communities with melting permafrost, um, huge degradation of caribou herds and um, they really are, the, the, the North really is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to uh, showing us that climate change is real, it's here, and it's having an effect on people's lives. Um, so uh, two things in, in provincial government I was very interested in. One was on housing, especially social housing. The other one was around, uh, obviously around uh, uh, climate change mitigation and adaptation. Uh, and I left politics. And um, this group called Passive House Canada gave me a phone call one day and said, hey, we're looking for a CEO and did our, uh, did our due diligence and became really intrigued with Passive House and uh, the Passive House movement and, and, and specifically Passive House Canada because it brings together those two things that I'm really excited about, you know, building better houses uh, and addressing climate change. So uh, those two actually go together, as it turns out, if we follow the pacifist methodology or or just if we build to a higher standard, a uh, uh, high efficiency, uh, low energy building, we can meet those two things. So um, I jumped on board a little over four years ago as CEO, uh, and uh, it's been quite a ride. We've uh, grown the organization, 
even in the midst of COVID, uh, we've taken our education online and uh, we've really grown across the country. So, uh, so that's kind of my background, you know, from journalist to to uh, government official to C head of CEO. But the the thing that ties it all together is a real interest in building better. Uh, that makes you a perfect guest for the show, Chris. That's wonderful, <laughs> and that's a very logical background and a logical pro pro progression for you to have, to have ended up here. So that I, I think that's fantastic. Let's Great. talk about Passive House then. Let's 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 start right in and 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 uh, use this opportunity for people to learn more about it. For anybody who's sort of been living under a rock or just for whatever reason hasn't had a chance to really yeah, gain yeah. a deeper a, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people have heard about uh, Passive House. It's been around since the 70s. Um, mm -hmm. it, is, uh, uh, it owes a lot of its, its heritage to Canada. Um, there was uh, the oil uh, uh, shortage in the, uh, uh, the mid-70s. Uh, governments were quite worried with the price of oil going up. Uh, governments uh, were quite worried that Canadians would... Uh, you know, freeze to death in the midst of a bad winter if they couldn't afford heating oil. And one of the questions that was asked is, can we build better so that we, we need less heating oil? And so uh, engineers and building scientists and architects uh, uh, and, uh, and tradespeople put their heads together. And all across Canada, there were a variety of prototype, new ways to build, new houses built. So where I grew up, uh, in King City, north of Toronto, there was a, a solar home that was built. Uh, uh, but the one that really worked well uh, was the Saskatchewan House uh, in Saskatoon. And it it has been acknowledged as, as uh, one of the forerunners of the modern passive house movement. Uh, uh, an amazing team uh, led by a chap, an engineer by the name of Harold Orr, uh, designed and built a house that really encompasses the principles of modern passive houses, and it's been recognized as uh, as uh, the ancestor to what we're doing today. So uh, we have Canadian roots. Um, passive house was really adopted in Europe because of high energy costs there, um, and as energy costs and climate change issues have grown here in in North America, we've brought the standard back to uh, our country uh, where it's really taken off. Around 2000, um, it uh, really started to grow again here in Canada. So, so what's, what's special about Passive House? Well, I think it touches on a number of things that are near and dear to our heart, you know. It's a better building. It keeps, uh, it keeps people uh, healthier, safer, in a very low energy way, and in a way that, that doesn't cost a significant premium to build to. So, you know, Passive House, very simple principles. We, 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 we aren't fans of super high techie stuff. So uh, exceptionally high levels of insulation. So in a Passive House building, it's going to be really well insulated. Um, passive House, you know, we're known for our windows, uh, triple glazed, etc. Um, so well insulated window frames and, and glazing in the design because good buildings, as you well know, Joe, good buildings always start with really good design. Um, so thermal bridge free design and construction, airtight, uh, an airtight building envelope. So you don't live in a leaky house. There's no use cooling your house or heating your house if it's going to, you know, that, that energy is going to be wasted because the house is leaky. So um, 
Harold Orr and his team also invented something else. And a lot of Canadian uh, builders don't know this, but uh, he invented together with his colleagues, they invented the, uh, um, the air pressurization test. Uh, and uh, so the, the first door uh, systems were all built here in Canada uh, to, to pressurize buildings to look for leaks. So another Canadian connection there. So, so that fourth thing was an airtight building envelope. And then the fifth, if you're going to have an airtight building, you better have a really good ventilation system. So uh, passive houses have a, a ventilation with really efficient heat uh, and, uh, and energy recovery. So you're bringing in lots of fresh air all the time and uh, you're not losing any heat energy. It's being recovered uh, and being recycled. So real simple principles. And we like to say passive house isn't rocket science. Um, it is building science, but it's not rocket science. So those are the sort of the very high level five principles that uh, that help you build to the passive house standard. I got to dig down a little bit on a couple of those. First of all, let's the Saskatchewan house that you that you mentioned. Uh, can you can you tell me? Uh, can you remember any particular features of that house that made it unique that that allowed it to move the the needle forward on on uh, well. Yeah, it, it, it incorporated, uh, you know, when that house was built in 1977, there weren't uh, uh, commercially available triple glazed low E, uh, I don't even think they'd been invented then, you know, argon filled um, uh, windows. Um, and so uh, Harold Orr and his team and Harold Orr, not only being a brilliant engineer, uh, started life out as a carpenter. So he was a master carpenter. So he knew his way around a hammer and saw. So they built a lot of the things that went into the house. They built really good windows. They built um, a very rudimentary HVAC system, a heat recovery ventilation system. They built it themselves. They added one thing that they later found out really didn't work that well. They put a huge, uh, almost a, well, a huge container of water. And they heated that water sort of during the winter, summertime and mm -hmm. extracted the heat in the winter, but they didn't find it was too efficient. So that one was 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 sort of put aside. But mm -hmm. the house is still lived in today. And, you know, what Harold will tell you, and Harold is into his 90s now, but uh, still a wonderful guy to talk to. Um, they put a lot of insulation into the building, a lot more than was called for under the building code. Um, and don't forget, this is in Saskatoon, where it gets a bit chilly yeah. in the wintertime. It does. Uh, they, they did a really good job building their windows and installing their windows. I mean, this is what we know at Passive House, that you could buy the best windows in the world. But if you don't put them in properly, if there are gaps and there are drafts, you've just wasted your money on those mm -hmm. really good windows. So they put the really good windows in. Uh, they really worked to minimize... Uh, um, the any thermal bridging so that there was insulation, uh, you know, insulation between, you know, interior and exterior. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't have uh, any sorts of uh, openings that weren't really required. And they, as they were building it, and this still goes for Passive House to this day, as they were building it, they were really careful not to penetrate the vapor barriers uh, or have any penetration that went to the outside um, unless it was a unless it was really needed. Uh, so they just didn't say, oh, let's put a wire through here and put a big punch, a big hole through the wall. Uh, they really minimize those types of those types of openings. 
Um, and this is all the stuff we do today. And, it, you know, the vapor barrier, they didn't have fancy tapes that we have today, but they had a lot of caulking. So Harold would talk about all the caulking they put into every, every space to make sure there were no leaks. And then they built their own ventilation system. So very much that's a passive house today. You know, we, we're fortunate yeah. today that we have really good windows and tapes and vapor barriers and water barriers, a lot of things that Harold and his team didn't have. But um, that's why uh, the Passive House Institute, which is based in Europe, um, you know, has been to Canada to uh, uh, to honor Harold and his team and, and, and point to uh, the house and say, yeah, that's one of the first. We learned a lot from that one. You can Google it. So if, if, if you're a real building geek like I am, uh, yeah. Google Saskatchewan Conservation House and you'll learn all about it. Saskatchewan Conservation House. Got it. Yes. Right. I, yeah, I want to move it, on a little bit. I, I want to, you talked about Europe. What's the relationship with Pass, uh, Passive House Canada and Passive House Europe? How how coordinated are your efforts? How, how closely do you work with those guys? And that's well, pure curiosity. Yeah, there's a there's a few things. We are, uh, we're an affiliate of the Passive House Institute, uh -huh. um, but we are, Passive House Canada is a standalone organization. Um, we, uh, well, you know, our members believe that the the standard that was developed by the Passive House Institute, um, which is open source, by the way, I will say this about Passive House, it's open source. You can go on our website, you can download uh, as much information as you can ingest uh, if you want to learn, if you want to try and build Passive House. Um, we would suggest maybe take a few of our courses to make your life a little easier as you build. Uh, maybe work with an architect who's actually done Passive House in the past, but open source and sort of, uh, you know, our gift to the to the world, we'll say. So, you know, we have uh, we have a, 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 our relationship with Passive House Institute is uh, they're very much a building science organization. They're based in the university in Germany. We work with them to improve the, the Passive House building standard. Um, they're European uh, organizations, so we spend a lot of time together with our American counterparts at the Passive House Network and other Passive House, North American Passive House groups to uh, tweak the standard for North American building standards and, and building uh, uh, methodologies. You know, Europe is very much uh, bricks and mortar, uh, stone, uh, masonry. Uh, North America is very much wood. So, uh, so you know, we we work with uh, Passive House Institute to make sure that uh, that's reflected in the in the global standard. But we think the global standard, and we know it's quite doable. It's eminently doable here in North America. Uh, uh, I think I think uh, United States and Canada is the the largest growing uh, area for Passive House in general. So that's the that's the relationship, really. Is we we work with them on technical issues. Uh, if you want to have your building certified to that it is a passive house, that it meets the passive house criteria, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, the sticker you put on the front door uh, is issued by the passive house institute. So okay, okay, we do a lot of. I mean, all of the education that we do, we've developed the education. Our education programs are all. North American and Canadian-based uh, education. Uh, the exam is run by the Passifos Institute. So our online exams are Passifos Institute, and you are a Passifos uh, if you uh, certified tradesperson 
or certified passive host designer consultant, and there are some other designations as well. That is managed by our friends at the Passive Host Institute. But the courses you take uh, in Canada are courses that we've developed that teach you the Passive Host fundamentals, but teach you teach it to you in a way that it's applicable to Canadian building practices. I have to ask this. Um, are, are you connected at all to uh, any of the community colleges, the trades people, the colleges where trades are, are, are learned? Uh, is there a connection with Passive House? There is. Yeah, yeah there, there's. A, and I mean, it's really simple. Uh, why we're doing this, reaching out to universities and colleges, uh, it's that uh, we can't do it all on our own. You know, we're, there's only we're a small group. We can't educate as many people. We know how many people need to be educated. So, you know, we work with, I uh, can't remember them all, but Camosun College, uh, Nate and Sate in Alberta, George Brown here in Ontario. And, and I know there's more than that, quite frankly. Um, some of our local chapters are running courses and uh, uh, there are, there's at least one union we're working with to teach tradespeople. It's one area that people get a little nervous about, a tradespeople get a little nervous about, uh, but quite frankly, you know, the Passive House tradesperson course is three days, right? It's not, this okay. is not, and, and the first thing you learn is do not put a hole in the, in the envelope, you know? Right. But when you teach just the high level basics of Passive House, uh, we give people some uh, hands-on experience of installing Passive House windows so they get a good idea about how much they weigh, and, uh, and, and how to properly install windows, um, how to properly make sure buildings are, are sealed, real fundamental things that, you know, tradespeople are, uh, they know this stuff, right? So to take, to take them to the passive house standard from where they are, it's not too difficult. Okay. But we're, um, we're really excited that more colleges are coming on board to teach this uh, either as a standalone course or as part of their construction or building uh, course programs. Brilliant. Okay, that's brilliant. Now, how, how are we doing? Like, are Canadians embracing the, the Passive House standards? Uh, are, are we seeing a lot more houses being built to, to, to these standards? Can you tell me anything, maybe quantify that a little bit, how many houses are, have been built or are planned to be built? It's a, you know, it's a good question. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to, to quantify it. Where, where I spend a lot of my time is working with uh, three levels of government, municipal, provincial, and federal, baking, and I'm not even going to say uh, a passive house building standards, but baking high performance building standards into municipal building bylaws, into provincial regulations, and certainly into uh, federal regulations. So there are a number of consumers, a number of the public who say, we want a passive house, right? They're, they've heard about passive house, they've gone and researched it, and they say to their builder, that's what we want. Those folks are generally far and few between because mm -hmm. they're, on the, the, they're on the leading edge. And they're also people who can generally have a custom house built for them. So, uh, so there's more and more interest in building new we're getting a lot more interest from people who want to do deep energy retrofits. They don't want to tear their house down or build a new one. And they, they ask us if there is a passive house standard for renovations, which there is. It's called Enerfit. If you build to the passive house standard, you're using, you'll end up with a building and it's more than homes. It's also tall towers, 
uh, condominiums, MERBs, that sort of thing. But you will end up with a building that uses about 90% less energy than a, a code built, a comparable code built building. And, and in today's world of high natural gas prices, high energy prices, that's substantial savings. So we have that. that. Yeah, that's substantial. Yeah, that, it, it really is. Uh, and it goes a long way to uh, uh, when you talk to people, pe the second thing people always say is it must cost an awful lot more. Um, and what we find is about two to 8% premium. It costs, you know, if you're working with an architect who's done it before or a builder who's done it before, it's about a two to 8% premium. But you can see if your energy costs are cut by 90% that, wow, you pay that back really quickly. So, uh, and you end up with a house that, that is very comfortable to live in, very healthy to live in. You know, all of the air inside is circulated uh, about nine times, no, six times an hour. It goes through HEPA quality filters, just very pleasant places to live. And also, sorry, I've got a bit off track on you here, but okay. I will say one of the, uh, you know, so we talk about energy savings. We talk about how healthy it is to live in these places, how quiet. So if you live in an urban setting that's noisy streets and police and fire uh, sirens going off, and you walk into your passive house apartment and close the door, it's wonderfully quiet. We're finding more and more that people love passive house for the quiet little oasis it creates for them as much as the energy savings or anything else. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's really key. Where we find real growth is with social housing providers um, across, right across the country. Uh, especially, but especially here in Ontario, you know, you're in Ottawa, the uh, social housing group up there is very much adopted passive house standards. Uh, Toronto Community Housing, uh, Hamilton uh, City Housing uh, have adopted, formally adopted uh, passive house standard. And it's, it's, for them, it may cost them a little bit more to build, but they're, they own the buildings for, you know, forever. So operating costs are way down. If you don't have massive natural gas bills coming in every month from a, from a MERB or a, a tower, um, you can take that money now and invest it in creating more social housing. Plus, it also creates a wonderful environment for people to live in. So, um, you know, we've all heard the horror stories of the quality of social housing, many, too many social housing units in Ontario being moldy and, and smelly and, and, sure. and, and awful. So to move from that type of environment to a passive house environment, again, is wonderful for your mental health. So numbers off the top of my, uh, off the top of my head, I can't give you, but I can tell you that municipal governments are adopting some or all of the passive house building standards serve for their high tier uh, standard. And it's my, you know, it's my belief that the to get to the to where Canada needs to get to with regards to um, meeting its Paris Accord Agreement, uh, and the provinces have all signed on to that as well. So let's not forget that it just isn't a federal initiative. The the provinces have all bought into it. Um, in order to get there, we're going to have to be building buildings and retrofitting buildings very much, very close to the passive house standard. So our focus for the last four years has been to talk about the, 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 uh, uh, this thing called passive house and how important it is. But really, 
what we've been doing is working with the building industry, with governments to show them a pathway. How do we get to where you t you've told us we need to get to in a way that is fast and inexpensive and uh, we can do it? So we don't want to have fights with other building standards. We simply are more interested in saying, listen, we know how to get from point A to point Z and we're, we're here to help you do it. Whether you build and get a certified passive house, uh, that's up to you. We would encourage you to do that. But we all have to build better. And we want to help people build better for humans. Wonderful. Wonderful. Before I move on to my next question, I have to repeat something you just said, purely for emphasis. A, a sure. six, per, 6 to 8% premium resulting yeah, two to, in... Sorry, 2 to 8%. Oh, 2 sorry. to 8%. Yeah. 2 to 8% premium resulting in a 90% reduction in energy consumption. Uh, that's a staggering payback. It is. And yeah. my goodness, everybody pay attention to that. 2 yeah. to 8% premium resulting in a 90% reduction in energy that's consumption. That, and that's for a new build. If you're doing a, a passive house deep energy retrofit, uh, you're looking at about a 75% energy savings over what you used to pay. So you take the same building, you apply these principles to it about, you know, insulation and glazing and, and thermal, re reducing thermal bridging and airtight ventilation, and you'll get to about 75% less. So now you can imagine, you take a, you take a house or you take a, an apartment building, a condominium, a commercial space, you reduce its energy usage by 75%. You know, you throw a few solar panels on the roof and suddenly you're now suddenly you're now yeah. true net zero. Yep. Uh, or as Humber College has learned in Rexdale, they took one of their big administrative buildings that the professors constantly uh, complained about how drafty, cold, or hot it was. They did a passive house deep energy retrofit. They threw uh, some solar panels on the roof. Not only do they create enough energy for the building, they export it into the campus grid. Yeah, so this not. is the benefit of building. So, you know, uh, we're all focused on exciting things like heat pumps and solar, but Passive House would say, listen, let's get our fundamentals straight first. Let's build a really good building. And then you won't need much, many solar panels. You won't need a lot of that renewable or even fossil if you're gonna use it. You shouldn't use fossil. You shouldn't need any fossil fuels if you're building to the passive house standard. And you and your energy uses are so low that you can generally generally create all the electricity you need on site to run your your heat pumps. Yeah, amazing. All right, let's change gears away from energy sure. a little bit. Or, or I can't really say we're going to change away from it entirely. Look, I love one of the things I, that I, has attracted me to Passive House and why I was so excited to have you here is that you know you're simultaneously promoting energy efficiency, but also healthy home design um, right. in a lot of standards and a whole lot of codes that are coming out these days. Those two things are at odds, right? Like you yeah. talked about windows and I'm so glad the windows are important to you, but you know, they, a straight up pure energy calculation done by an engineer with no thought to the human inside would tell you to build little tiny windows or have fewer windows. But we all know that those are crappy houses they're not healthy yeah. uh houses to be in uh, you know how, how how are your standards ensuring that occupant comfort occupant health is still mm -hmm. primary in the face of, of of so much pressure on energy reduction 
Well, when you 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 to get a passive house certified building, you have to demonstrate uh, you have to demonstrate all sorts of things, but you have to demonstrate. And the the other thing I sorry, what I really like about passive house is uh, I mean I'm not a scientist, but I believe in science. So we have a a data based outcome. So a lot of standards you check boxes going into the project and you get your certificate. With Pacifost, you have to prove to us that you actually did what you said you were going to do. So on the way out, you uh, you know we need to make sure your your building is uh, airtight. That's one of the key ways we can tell if your building's built properly. So you know the run the question by me again, Joe. Sorry. I, it's really I just want to understand what it is in your standards that ensures that we don't forget about occupant health, that we right. don't forget about occupant comfort in, 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 you know, deferring entirely to energy, energy management. Right, right. So if we focus just on energy, you know, we, we can end up with a house that or a building you don't want to live in or a building you certainly don't want to work in, or you wouldn't want to send your kids to school in, you know, it can be dark and, uh, and, 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 and it can, uh, can be drafty and the air can be quite stale. Um, so again, the passive house standard to be a certified passive house, you have to demonstrate uh, that uh, you have to demonstrate air tightness, mm -hmm. uh, which speaks to thermal comfort. Um, you have to uh, use uh, a passive house or near passive house quality windows that are installed properly. Again, that speaks to air tightness and thermal and thermal comfort. You have to have that really good ventilation system in place that is circulating the air and keeping the carbon dioxide levels uh, down. So passive houses will uh, normally have uh, uh, monitors, uh, carbon dioxide monitors, that if the CO levels start to rise in your house, say you have a bunch of guests over for holiday, you'll find your, your system starts ramping up so that it's bringing more fresh air in so your CO2 levels mm -hmm. don't get too high. They don't get above the 800 parts per million where we all start to yawn and get tired. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and so these are really simple things. I mean, they're all built into the system and you don't, uh, so to be certified, you've done all of these things, which guarantees, by the way, the, the ventilation also, we really manage indoor humidity. So you don't get the mold buildup on walls and, and uh, just the whole, uh, the whole emphasis on how Passive House builds its envelope. You don't get uh, you don't get vapor being caught between uh, within the wall structure creating mold. Uh, these are some really so all of that is part of the passive house certification process. You know your the passive house uh, uh, consultant you work with will have your engineering drawings and they'll be taking pictures as the building is being built and all of that goes together uh, at the end of the day together with your air tightness testing and uh, ventilation systems and windows all of that goes together to say yeah this this building meets passive house uh, so it's a pretty strict criteria that can it can appear daunting but after you've done one you go oh yeah. is that all it is it really just well, is about paying attention to detail using good quality products to begin with and it's it's no more. It's no more than that. It, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned you mentioned small windows, and I, I have to tell you that Canada is a leader in uh, cold weather 
uh, window wall systems that are Passive House certified. You can imagine a floor to ceiling window uh, that is Passive House certified. If you, another Google uh, uh, stop for you, uh, the Red, Red Deer Alberta Subaru dealership is a Passive House car dealership. Uh, with floor to ceiling, it looks like any other car dealership with beautiful display, uh, uh, showroom, and, and floor to ceiling windows, and it's a passive house building. Lots of light in a very cold environment, and everyone is toasty warm in the winter time and nice and cool in the summertime, and no big drafts coming off those windows to chill the building. So. If you follow the, the 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 principles, and these are the things that Harold Orr and and then later the European scientists were thinking about, we have to keep. It's got to be more than energy. It has to be about occupant safety and comfort. But, but as it turns out, if you build a building for occupant safety and comfort, you're also building a building that is highly energy efficient. So. Right. Uh, Passive House always took that approach. Let's build for safety. Let's build for comfort. Now we talk about climate change resilience. That's the type of house or building you get as well. One that is far more climate change resilient, that the folks who are living and working in these buildings are better protected in the face of uh, changing uh, climate, whether it be extreme heat, extreme cold, or rain. Fantastic. Uh, I, I, interesting. Uh, let's go down a couple of the roads that you just sort of sure. pointed out there. Nat, natural light and views. I assume that's a, a, a component of, of passive house design. Yeah, you, you spoke. It, it is. It is. But let, let me tell you the beauty of one of the one of the reasons architects love passive houses. We are not. We're very prescriptive about those things I, I talked about, about, you know, the, the, the insulation in your walls and the quality of your windows and certification of these components. We're, we're prescriptive about that. What, we, what you don't have to be prescriptive about, what you can lead to the architect and the engineer is what the building looks like. If you want, if, you, if the architect wants tiny little windows, they could do it. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, but that's between, they don't have to do it to become a pacifist, let me put it that way. They, we, we leave the form very much up to the architect to figure out. Now, there are some things that make it far more difficult to be pacifist certified if you have, uh, if you have uh, an excess of exterior walls. If you come up with a design that, that has an excess of exterior walls, it may be difficult, more difficult to meet the pacifist. But in terms of you know finish, uh, and you know finish what what finish you want to use, really what the building looks like, very much up to the architect, and uh, we give them a lot of freedom. We just say at the end of the day, you got to meet these criteria. How you get there is up to you, uh, and I, you know clients love it because it means they their buildings aren't cookie cutter. They're not these little cubes with tiny windows in them. Uh, they can be beautiful. They, well, they are beautiful buildings with lots of light. I I, I love it. I, okay, so I, I'm going to go on this, another slight little tangent here before before we finish up. I want to talk about materials a little bit. So, I, I, quick story about myself. I'm I'm a chemical engineer by training, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, and I started in the world of plastics. And so I've been. I, I, my introduction to bringing natural light into into buildings was was in the world of plastics. Now, I, I mean, I. I right. I 
I, now I, I, I stay away from plastics entirely. The, the thought of using single-use plastics as, as a is a you know facade component on a home or a, or a building is just it's distasteful and it doesn't make any sense either. Um, so so what about materials? Is is does it speak to you know embodied carbon? Does it speak to the length of time that the material is going to be in place without needing to be replaced right. and then involve all that other embodied carbon every time you do a replacement? How how does Passive House speak? To, to materials? Well, Passive House itself is focused on operational carbon. So we're, we're looking at that energy yeah. that's used to, to heat and cool the building. It's our primary focus. Passive House Canada is going down a bit of a separate, we're, 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 we're charting a bit of a separate path from our friends in Europe in that we're looking more and more at embodied carbon. So what materials are you using to, uh, to build your building with? What's the circularity uh, about it and, uh, of those buildings and um, standards and ideas that are really beyond Passive House, uh, uh, the, the, the typical Passive House standards. So, um, you know, we, we, we look at uh, what Passive House Canada is talking to our members about and, and educating our members about is obviously, you know, buildings of the future or buildings today need to achieve Passive House efficiencies or better that they need to operate on renewable energy, uh, that we minimize embodied carbon. And we have a couple of plugins to our energy modeling software where you can also model embodied carbon. And uh, um, so those are, those are some of the key things. But we also talk more and more about, you know, the SEER framework uh, uh, of sufficiency, of efficiency, of renewables, those are, sort of the three driving principles that, that we work on. Uh, we're looking, uh, we do more and more uh, advocacy around, you know, grid interactive smart buildings with measurement and verification of performance. Um, we've talked about uh, uh, comfortable and healthy indoor environments. Buildings have to be future climate weather. Uh, they have to be resilient to future climate weather and rising sea levels. And, uh, you know, Houses of the future, buildings of the future really need to support biodiversity and really at the end of the day, they need to support the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Yes, we talk about operational carbon, but there's so much more that we need to talk about. And uh, that's what we at Passive House Canada are sort of branching out into these other areas that our members are telling us they need some help with, helping identify good standards, good best practices. And what we love to do, uh, nothing more to do, is to take everything we've been learning and share it with the industry uh, and point to um, good standards, good best practices uh, to help grow. The foundation in our mind is the foundation of a good building will always be the operational energy, the health and comfort, and that's Passive House. Mm -hmm. But you know, as you're designing for Passive House, you need to think about all the other things. You know, what type of insulation are you using, for example? Is it a not, does it come from a non-renewable resource? Is it uh, a cellulose-based? Uh, how are you going to embed carbon in that building that it's going to be there? And how do you build a building? And this is what Passive House is really good at, is durability. So right. uh, when it comes to embodied carbon, circularity, reusability, why are we building buildings that in 25 years we have to gut them and sort of start again? Why aren't we building to pacifists where our components we know 
uh, are certified to last 65 years or plus. You know, the tapes, the weatherproofing, the vapor barriers, all of those membranes last far longer than, than anything that we tend to use uh, here in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's catching on. Durability is a big thing. If, if you're the social housing provider and you hear that, you get really excited, right? If you're building uh, rental apartments and you're going to own them and run them for the next 50, 60 years, you buy into Passive House because your your upkeep, your maintenance costs go right down. If you're, you know, I, I didn't mention it, but if you're building that MERB or that tower and you're building it to Passive House, you don't need the expensive boiler systems that a typical building has, which need repair, ongoing replacement every 10 to 15 years, significant upgrades every 10 to 15 years. And they'll never be as efficient as, uh, uh, you know, so commercial size air source heat pumps or ground source heat pumps, that kind of thing. So right. um, I know I diverged right away, but we need to think about Passive House as the foundation, but there's so much more that that we're partnering and we're looking to learn from others out there. Love it. I love hearing you talk about durability. I mean, uh, the, 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 the use of single-use plastics on building facades uh, those days are yeah, yeah. almost behind us. So I, I, love, I love hearing yeah. this. I, okay, I've got to ask you uh, the million-dollar question that I ask every uh, guest, Chris. I, I, uh, I ask them, and you can answer it from whatever perspective you'd like to answer it from. What makes a great building? A, a great building is a building that, that, that you want to live in. You want to work in it. You 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 in, that that's good for your your physical health. It's good for your mental health. It's good for the environment. It keeps you safe and it keeps you happy. And I mean, it should look nice too. Absolutely, I agree entirely. Okay, before we finish, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to cover? Any news about Passive House or you personally? Anything you'd like to promote, Chris? This is an opportunity. Well, I, I would simply say if people are interested in learning more about Passive House, uh, I would encourage them to visit our website, PassiveHouseCanada.com. Uh, there's tons of information about who we are, what we do. We are primarily uh, an advocacy organization, and a lot of our advocacy is done through education. So we we are probably, well, I think we still are, the world's largest Passive House educator, engineers, architects, and tradespeople. Uh, we train more than any group uh, in Europe, any group in North America. So if you want to learn more, we have all types of courses from introductory to courses that an architect and engineer would want to take. Um, you can go to our website, sign up for our newsletter for free, and we'll keep you in the loop with, with all the developments in the Passive House world. Uh, and I mean, I'll, I'll simply end by saying, you know, Passive House is an open source standard. It's it's our gift to the world as we uh, try to figure out how we're going to navigate climate change and keeping people safe and comfortable in buildings. So it's our gift to the world. Go and learn what you want and, and what you can. And I, I hope to see people on board. All right, Chris, thank you so much. This is wonderful. I'm sure my listeners are, are, are going to learn a lot by the time they spend uh, Excellent. listening to you. Today. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, Joe. Really appreciate it. And, and thanks to your listeners for joining in. Of course. Take care. Okay. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Better Buildings for Humans. 
For more information on the world's best light diffusing and highly insulating glass glazing, please visit advancedglazings.com.